Welcome to Bang the Table Talks, a podcast that discusses the evolving world of community engagement. Explore and learn with us as we host conversations with leaders in community engagement, stakeholder consultation, and public participation. We'll discuss current trends, best practices, as well as tips, tools, and ideas for better engagement programs. Yeah, I'm a head of practice in the UK, which I guess means um, trying to get the best out of uh, online engagement, um, mm-hmm. best out of engagement, public consultation as we can. I think that's um, that's what that's what we're trying to do. Nice, and I guess I could say I'm doing the same in the US. So trying to uh, build knowledge and awareness about community engagement, principles, practice, and then uh, build a constituency that's doing it better than anybody else. Yeah. So to show the way. Yeah, rebuilding yeah. democracy one day at a time. Love it. One project by one project. One project. Yeah. All in one convenient space. Yes. True. Well, tell us a little bit about what guides community engagement specifically for each of your countries. I know it's a little bit different on each side of the pond, so let's dive into it. Yeah. Okay. I guess we like to think about the three R's of engagement, so that's risk, reward, and reputation. Reputation being the if you engage your community properly, then they think better of you. You can spend a fortune on fancy brochures and nice looking websites, but if you actually involve people in a project and you do it badly, then that's what they take away and that's what they speak to their friends and neighbors about. So the reputation piece is really important. Uh, the reward is that you can make better decisions. So by getting all those ideas from people, from crowd, sourcing the the, uh, the solutions if you like then you can actually maybe make better decisions as a consequence but bad engagement is the other side of that if you do the engagement badly then maybe you hear misleading voices or you know you, you just hear from those who shout the loudest sure. in which case you could end up making a bad decision because it looks like it's going against popular opinion when hey maybe it isn't so that's that side of it and then i think in the uk where the difference is from what i've seen so far is that we have the whole risk of going to court so if we do public consultation on badly, then you can end up being taken to a judicial review. So we have the gunning principles, there are four of them. Put simply, you shouldn't consult before you've already made up your mind. You should allow enough time for consultation. You should give people the information that they need to get involved with you. And you should take what they've said into account. Doesn't mean it's a vote, doesn't mean it's a referendum, but you should actually consciously consider what people have said. I think that, that scares people. If they're going, to, if they do a piece of public consultation and they break those rules, which is all about fairness, really. So sure. if, if they do it, and it's not fair and it's unlawful, then you know they can end up in in court. Interesting. A little bit different here in the U.S. A little bit different here. So it really varies state by state, area by area, region by region. In the United States, I think social norming is a term that kind of comes to mind. So for a given area, whatever the, the community members, the residents sort of become accustomed to and what they expect. Uh, there are some areas where law does require a minimum notification to the public about decision-making processes, mostly with development, zoning, kind of land use, uh, which is pretty interesting. Again, land use law evolved very differently across the U.S. in a very different time frame. You know, for, for some uh, regions, you'd have almost a 100-year difference, right, um, for the evolution of the law. And so 
it, it can be really distinctly different depending on where you are. Uh, we're seeing a lot of kind of bubble up um, around population centers in the U.S. Um, most reports say there's about 14 of those. And so you can almost do a, a cross analysis of those 14 centers and see that there's starting to be some, some normalizing or some uh, consistency in the community expectation and therefore consistency in how the government's handling community engagement process. You know, it can be pretty varied within an organization or a department. So if you're coming from one of those land use planning kind of environments versus if you're coming from a police department, fire, or, you know, even something more general like a park and rec or something kind of less controversial within the organization, there could be really many different approaches. So with no federal oversight law, it's been kind of left up to state by state, but even more than that, we're seeing local policy drive process, create engagement frameworks. Um, so if there is no framework, that means things could change from project to project. And even with the same department and same staff, it could look really different. I think that instead of court of you know criminal behavior or, or taking the, the organization to court, it kind of feels like we take the organization to the media. Yeah. And I know, of course, you guys have that too. Um, yeah, it becomes a double whammy. Yeah. So there's two stories. One is you you're not behaving yeah. in a fair way, and then the second story is, hey, <laughs> my my city's in court. Right, right. Um, you know, sometimes when people don't like the process in the United States, they show up to city council meetings. Right. It's almost like a, a Woodstock goes to community engagement. Right. So you've got the T-shirts, you've got the signs. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of this the way to be heard. Uh, so it's really that public showing, but kind of like you said, sometimes you can pack a room and ask people to wear a matching shirt and bring a sign, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have representation from across the community. Maybe those that don't know, but you know, just didn't come because they had no idea what was happening. So it's, it's not really a, a representative picture of interest necessarily in our, our public hearing rooms. Interesting. In, in both countries, we've got a charged political atmosphere. We've got Brexit, we've got the U.S. landscape and elections. Can you dive into a little bit about each of those and, and how community engagement's kind of playing a role there? Silly season. Yeah, it's, it's, quite, um, it's quite upsetting really, isn't it? I mean, people feel that they're disenfranchised, don't have a voice, don't understand politics anymore. Do they have a say? Don't they have a say? Does it even matter? Should they get involved? Uh-huh. It's, um, it's not a good example for those at the grassroots who are trying to get people to participate in local democracy if they see all uh-huh. that bad behavior at a national level. Uh-huh. You know, it's a lot of people yelling past each other. Mm. Um, I've seen some local governments really step up and even start talking about good listening skills and how do you really hear what's being said so that you can do good public policy in a time like this. Um, seems really fitting. Right. Um, if two sides aren't even listening, then certainly you can't make good decisions together. Um, but it's going on. It's going to get worse in the next few months, right? Uh, yeah. It's going to heighten up uh, around the globe, one could say. Um, so, you know, really, to me, it's 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 difficult. It's challenging. The federal government's unlikely to be the the resolution or the um, guiding light, at least in the U.S. In the next few months, um, it's going to get more divided. Uh, so. Really, it gives local government this opportunity to say, you know, at a grassroots level, how do we come together? How do we recreate or reimagine mm-hmm. how to listen to each other, how to talk to each other, yeah. how to um, really not necessarily so you will change your mind, 
but to seek to understand one another. Um, at the same time, there's these really big local issues that have to be handled, right? Not necessarily looking for solutions, but looking for how do we manage issues. And so even trying to understand the problems can be really difficult. Yeah, and it's just not going to be solved at that sort of national level. Right. Um, definitely. So the more that we can get people to have proper debate at a local level, not shouting matches, but actually come together and um, maybe learn about the issues, understand the facts and the, and the figures, and be prepared to sort of maybe change their mind, maybe admit that they're wrong, or even if they still think they're right, that they admit that they understand there's yeah. an alternative point of view, that it's not just binary. Um, and I think that's where an online engagement can be so valuable because you can put people in a safe place for participation where they've got access to documents, videos, infographics, all of that suite of material and information and then they can talk to each other about it. Um, and at least they know where that information has come from. It's not just something that put, someone's put on Twitter. It's, it's actually there, it's credible and, and even if they don't like what it says, at least they can trust it. Sure. I really like that concept of kind of guided information and guided mm -hmm. learning in order to get to public input. Yeah. You know, um, I think that that works really well so that you're getting more informed from the public. Mm -hmm. Sounds like we've got you know, some stout similarities and differences. Um, I'd love to dive into to those and talk a little bit about you know what makes um, the U.S. a little bit different and unique versus the U.K. You know, in the U.S., we're really, what are we, we're probably working with about 85 different cities and counties right now and growing and what we're really starting to see is kind of this hybrid approach to online engagement and um, organizations are starting to use multiple tools they're understanding that there's not you know everything's not a nail and they finally have a hammer right uh, so it's really exciting to see that and so they are understanding that they need to go out and they need to maybe use a different kind of short interactive tool for a younger target population uh, people who are, who are balancing work and, and children maybe and just life responsibilities. And then they can also have that next to a public forum, right? And the public forum is going to require that you read, you understand that more in-depth sort of learning that we've been talking about so far. And so it's kind of about getting to the place that one doesn't discredit the other, right? Or it's an either or world. It's more both and, right? And so it's almost the improv of community engagement. You know, people are learning that you need to, to do different things to attract different voices. Um, it's really exciting to see that in the online space, I think. Uh, just the time it takes for different tools can be such a big variance and for how long people can linger on a particular topic. Yeah. Of course, if people are passionate, they tend to linger longer, yeah. right? Yeah. And then if people have a, a passing fancy or uh, maybe kind of an overarching concern or interest, maybe they're, they're a bit in and out. Yeah. But you know, it works really well to face projects accordingly and so to ask different types of questions as they go. Um, so I'm really excited to see some of those things happening. Where I think we, we differ is that you guys really have a structure that allows a deeper dive. Yeah. It's kind of like it's more in your culture yeah. to do so. There, there's a limit, it seems so far, with how deep we dive. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And what's interesting in, in terms of what you said about um, that sort of blended approach, that use of different ways of, of getting people involved. In, in the UK, we've become experts in those mm -hmm. methodologies, but we've become experts in doing that face-to-face um, and as we move more to online involvement, because 
that's where people spend their time scrolling on their phones and things like that so that's if we're going to ask people to participate in issues take part in a public consultation then they're they're going to do it more and more online on, on their phones and what have you mm -hmm. and what's happened is, is we've forgotten about all of our learning over the past 10-15 years about um, yeah. you know you know deliberative events um, charrettes, Samoan circles, all those sorts of fancy names about, and then we've just gone, hey, it's online now, let's do a survey. You know, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. We know how to do it so much better mm -hmm. than just giving people an online survey, but because it's online, we've almost just gone, ah, well, that'll do. Mm -hmm. But we also know it won't do. So, you know, a big job to do now is to say, hey, you know how to do all this deep um, engagement, you know the methodologies, you understand how to do it, now just translate that into an online platform. How would you do it? How do you build it? How do you make it work? And you know, and I, and I think that then takes online participation to that next level. That's that's what we need to do. It's almost like you've made it easier by providing the tools, but instead of moving forward with the the path of least resistance, it's like there's a new new kind of block. For yeah, it. there is. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Mm. So I know we dove a little bit into um, the legalities in the in the UK and and touched a little bit on you know what the backlash might be, but maybe you unpack that a little bit more. If you do bad engagement, what does that look like? What are the consequences? Well, uh, in the UK, in, if, it's a, if, it's a, well, if it's a public consultation, which sometimes we call formal public consultation, but they're all really quite formal, what people are really afraid of is that they get a letter from a, from a lawyer mm -hmm. saying, hey, we've heard you did this engagement and it was not fair, it was unlawful. Unless you reverse the decision, we're taking you to court, and then and then that is all done. What you know, what we call on the papers in front of the front in front of a judge. They'll look at that letter. They'll look at the supporting evidence, something like that, and they'll go. They'll either say no, there's no there's no case to answer, or they'll say, hey, yeah, you're right. That was a really lousy piece of engagement. You go into court, and everything stops. So on big projects, big development projects, or changes to health services, everything will just stop for three six months until they've sorted out the um, the legalities of the of the decision and all of that could have been avoided by just doing good engagement just doing good consultation yeah. so people sure. realize that it gives them that reason to invest um, properly in the, in, the, in the public consultation it doesn't always happen that way people still make mistakes but sure yeah. sure at least there's kind of this official person or office that's sort of in charge of determining yes it was good no it was bad you know, in the U.S., we, we tend to go back and forth, right? There's no official determination. Uh, so it's, it's kind of this in constant flux. There's almost no end, mm -hmm. perhaps. It seems like whether there's the, the court that's the decision maker or not, um, sometimes this could be a, a strategy to postpone a decision. Yeah, um, so they just say, oh, that as well. we'll just, that's too difficult. Let's right. kick it into the long grass, is that? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it seems that attacking the, the structure of the process here in the U.S. is a very specific interest group tactic. So sometimes it's hard to, to distinguish the, the public tactic from the public process and without that kind of nominated or identified decision maker, it can just kind of spin. And you know, the ultimate, if you kind of do the, the well, why is that important or why is that destructive? And, and you keep sort of asking yourself that question. I think they both, fall to a layer of lack of trust, mm. right? I mean, it creates um, uncertainty in the public. They don't know whether to, to trust the local entity 
or the state entity, whatever the, the level of the situation is. So then the, the next time you go to the table to try and do a partnership, public and government, or to try and manage an issue together, your capacity's lowered. Yeah, the you whole know. thing's more difficult. Yeah, yeah. much Starting more. from a low level of trust. Right. Why would I even bother talking to you? Yeah. Last time you didn't listen. Yeah, and you know, even on the part of the government too, right? Um, you know, I've seen some incredible local government staff through the years, and they they put their 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 heart and soul into these processes, and they they want the very best for the project or the outcome, and certainly for the community and the organization. And the process is is picked apart, and therefore so are they, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so damaging, you know. And so your your employee morale as well as your civic trust really goes down. And that's hard to recover from, yeah. you know, um, on both sides, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I've even seen it when, when the public will say, well, you know, it's not it's nothing personal. And it's like, well, no, it's nothing personal, but yeah. there is a person behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and, and I think 90, 95%, 99% of the time, engagement is done in good faith by the, yeah. by the individual who's responsible for the public consultation or the yeah. piece of engagement. They just, they really do want to do a good job. Um, you know, and sometimes you know, when the process is flawed through no fault of their own, yeah, that, that's not a good place to be. Yeah, you know, most of the time when I see the process really flawed, it's because we didn't start out with a clear identification of the problem. Yeah. You know, so you kind of have this project scope that goes on. And it's one thing if you do that in, you know, a, a small scope, but when you're doing that in the public eye and your, your scope is changing and you're evolving and you're, you're unclear, Again, that trust factor is so big, um, even if it's not purposeful. Yeah, more time planning the project from the very beginning. So let's wrap this up on a, on a positive note. You know, tell, tell me a little bit about you know, what's good out there and, and, and how do you work with people or what do you say to people who are trying to do their best for both public and their organization? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, we tend to focus on areas where we want to improve things. Sure. So you end up focusing on, you know, talking about what's not working. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, we're working with many clients now in the UK, and many in the States as well, where actually they're, they are providing examples of good engagement, good online mm-hmm. engagement. There's lots of good news stories. For sure. We actually spent the morning with Colorado clients who are doing amazing engagement yeah. work, right? Um, we've now been working with some of them for just shy of two years and it's really exciting to see how they're growing they're creating industry standard they're creating their own organizational standard Uh, lots of them are writing policy frameworks you know maybe before it's kind of been a a little bit of a a pull together of style and effort and and planning and now it's becoming structured but structured with really incredible flexibility Mm -hmm flexibility for graphic design and what they're doing in the actual online space, but also how they're integrating online engagement with in-person events. Um, That was a big topic this morning that kept coming up with all this excitement in the room. And, you know, it's just really nice to also see clients start to talk to each other. You know, and so cities were talking to cities and they're like, "What, what do you do and what do you do? And there was also this level of vulnerability in the room and I think that's the key to success with some of this stuff. As, as long as we think we're doing it perfect and we have it all right, it's really hard to get better. But once we say, wow, you know, our, our organization's doing this and this really well, and maybe you want to learn from that, yeah, right? Yeah, I think they did. They were giving each other examples of how, yeah. that, you know, how their online engagement was work, working really well. Yeah. And also better than what they've been doing in the past before they had yeah. online capability. 
And, you know, they were talking about the fact that there quite often a lot of uh, um, work that was done on social media created this impression that there was a lot of anger out there. Yeah. And as soon as they had an online platform, they were saying that, you know, actually people were saying, hey, it's not as bad as you think. Go to this, go to this site. You'll see they're talking about this issue. Um, you know, and, and people and, and people are actually saying, hey, it, it's taking the heat out of the situation because people and people are actually genuinely thinking, ah, you do want to know um, what our views and opinions are on this issue. And so by having that sort of place where people can come and have a sensible mm -hmm. debate, take it away from, you know, sort of areas where it's all about shouting and, and, and then they're feeling yeah. the benefits of that already. You know, there were two kind of components that came out of today's discussion that kind of speak to the fake news, right? And so both, both countries seem to be dealing with yeah. a lot of fake news and how do you even fact check anymore, yeah. right? It's it's hard, what, the facts and nothing but the facts seem to be everything but the facts, yeah. right? Uh, but <clears throat> there's several clients that we talk to who are doing um, fact checking with projects in the online space. Yeah. So tell us the crazy stuff you're hearing on social media. Uh, here in the US, next door is big. I know you, you yeah. said it's kind of mixed bag um, so far as to how readily adopted, yeah. Yeah. but it's big. So it's like a neighborhood social media, right? And so people will hear stories and sometimes those can spin out of control, yeah. but now they can go to a, a live question and answer tool on the government site and they can say, Hey, is this true? If it's not, what is true? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite uses is in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And they said, um, you know, is it true that you have secret tunnels under your city? Yeah. And they're like, well, as a matter of fact, it is true. You yeah. know, and they really talked about how those developed and why. And yeah. um, now they're, they're kind of part of their pedestrian walking plan. Yeah. And, you know, it's just kind of interesting that, that you take the spin out of the story and you get to have this really authentic kind of dialogue. Yeah, I love the fact that on one of your sites, yeah, that one of the sort of featured tiles on the site is what, what, what the fact. What the fact? What the fact? And you can go right in there, and and there there it is. These are the questions. These are the answers. Mm -hmm. You know, and it just helps people who are, are a little bit lost on the issue. This is the credible information for you to get involved. I, I thought I was brilliant. I think every every UK site should have a, a fact checker. Absolutely. You know, right there in your face as soon as you land one. You know the other nice thing about that particular tool or that particular option. You don't have to read a lot. You don't have to watch a lot of video. Yeah. You don't have to look at an infographic to get the gist. You can just ask a question yeah. and get it answered. And I think that's great. Yeah. Great service to the community. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time today, guys. This has been really um, insightful to dig into a little bit about the US versus the UK. And um, we look forward to hearing more as you both advance our practices. Thank you, lovely. I'd say that one of the biggest things that's come from spending a few days together and more time Comparing and contrasting is that there's a whole lot more in common than there is different. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That global practice of understanding about what works and what doesn't is yeah. going to be exciting. And helping democracy grow yeah. and helping broken democracy heal is the same everywhere. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty exciting work. It is very it's exciting. Pretty great. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Bang the Table Talks. Join us for future conversations as we explore the capacity and insight that online engagement has to offer. Check out our other learning resources at bangthetable.com.